Loading. Artist. Audio. Insight. Otcast. Verb. Interview with artists working today. Otcast. Noun. Insights into the work and process. Hello, and welcome to Otcast. I'm your host, Philip J. Mellon. Loading. Artist. Audio. Insight. Yeah. I was a kid. Like, you don't want to do it? Okay, what would you rather do? You know, I would rather them learn how to make decisions and learn how to learn so that when nobody's around, that'll carry them through life. And, and I, you know, people in art education, which, you know, I'm involved with art education heavily, but a lot of art educators, you know, refer to themselves as teaching art. And that's not what I do. I, we, I, I, I kind of like to think that we learn about life through the arts. Yeah, you know? that's great. And if you yeah. want to learn how to shade something, I mean, get an ebony pencil and I'll show you how I do it. But I don't sit here and say, here's the techniques you need to know. Yeah. First off, the kids wouldn't care, you know. <laughs> it, when you do, te- when you do try to take that route, because I like, started off that way. Everybody that comes out of education programs does, but uh, they really didn't. You, you don't get to see what they're capable of doing when you get the hell out of their way and encourage yeah. them. And it's, so it's that call and response again. I try to give them prompts, and uh, and I try to give them the safety net underneath themselves to. It's like risk free. If they screw up and the project fails or whatever, if they're writing to something for me and it really, they don't, they can't articulate the way they want to, it's like, okay, you still have an A. I don't care. You, you know, you, you try to express yourself. The only way you're going to get better is to do it over and over and over and over and over. And who knows, right. and who knows what better is? So it's like the only, you're only going to get more comfortable because the whole thing with art, you know, they, they'll, even today, they will, you know, people still with the abstract stuff, you know, people get all worked up over it and they still argue over Duchamp and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, so I forget where I was going with that, but, you know, it's just open-minded and letting them do what they want to do and they make the discoveries and it's like, okay, what do you think about it? You know, talk about it. Tell me what you think. It stuck. It, 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 it didn't work. Okay. So don't do that next time. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just welcome you, Dave, to Oddcast. Thanks for having me. No problem. My first question is, when creating a work, do you use any sketches or preliminary work in the process? No, not really. Um, I like it to, to just sort of happen. I like it to be spontaneous. Although I have I'm, I have made doodles before. I go to uh, art ed conferences from, period, from time to time, and I'll sit and doodle while they're talking, and I have occasionally taken some of those little doodles and turned them into pieces. I mean, I, you know, use them as a basis for a piece. But usually I start with a blank piece of paper or a blank canvas and I just make a mark and make another mark and then I make a, yeah. and I start a bunch of pieces at once. Like right now I'm really in over my head. I have about, about a hundred pieces going on right now. And, uh, so I work on one piece and let it start to dry, run to another piece. And then yeah. I just got back into playing with oils this past month, which I haven't done oils in about 20 years. Wow, and yeah. I forgot what a nightmare that is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I've got, Especially being out of the game for a yeah, while. Yeah, I've got about 30 
some pieces, small pieces of those going on in my basement right now, and I, it's it's very hard for me to wait for it to get dry enough to. Oh, let me tell you. Know? you. Yeah. So, I hear you on that one. That was going to be one of my questions about how you know whether you work on more than one piece or not. Oh gosh, yes, I'm overkill. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's helpful though. It's healthy, I think. You know, because you can. I always feel like you can solve. I mean, sometimes I work three to four at a time. And you can solve problems in one that may help another along the way. Oh, I agree 100%. And uh, I also think of it along the lines of the call and response uh, approach in, in, in jazz, uh, where, you know, you, you do, except for I'm doing it with, with myself. I'm not doing it with another musician or another artist. Right. Yeah. Although, you know, I have done collaborative things with people like that. And when I did it, and I've done that in my classroom with students, but I kind of see myself as a one-person collaborative event when I'm by myself working. Yeah. Because, you yeah. know, I'll, I'll put a mark on things and I run around real fast and then I'll look over and I'll sit and I uh, sort of halfway have a thought for the next mark, but then I get distracted by another piece. And yeah. I'll look over and I'll see it might be dry enough, so I jump on it and I jump back and forth and I kind of wear myself out a little bit. Yeah, you get some exercise. But it's fun <laughs> when, they, when they start coming together. It's fun yeah. because then you have a whole bunch of them, you know? Right, yeah. That's, that's pretty wild. That's like my most recent painting, I... I thought it was like a complete disaster until I just I just added another um element to it like it was just this red shape, you know. And and it saved it. And I just thought like I didn't see that coming, you know? I mean <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. My next question is, do you use any technology in your work like photos of the computer? Um no, I don't use any photos at all. Um but in terms of using technology, I have use the computer to make things. You know, uh, I've done stuff with Photoshop some years ago, and um, I like to draw in Photoshop, but I, I kind of got I got away from that. And then before I got my iPhone, I had this little LG Versa, and it had this basic drawing program on it. And it was so basic and so limited that I really enjoyed that because when I sat with Photoshop, sometimes I felt like, I was um, not worthy because it was, there was so much that you could do, and I didn't know how to do much of most of it. But when yeah. I was really limited with this funky little phone, it, I had a blast. And I made all kinds of little things. I started a little blog and put them all on there, you know. And then um, when I finally got an iPhone, uh, I, I liked that a lot, just sitting there sketching on the phone. And my sons have iPads, so sometimes I'll sketch with them. And um, there's an app called Pixelmator or something like that, Pixelmator, I think it's called, uh, at the App Store, that's a kind of a, sort of like a Photoshop type of drawing and painting program that yeah. I got like this last summer or the summer before last, and I really like that. But I really have not used that yet to make traditional paintings from. I kind of use it as a different, it's almost like oil painting and water-based painting and then digital painting. You know, it's almost like yeah, different right, things. Right. So, I don't know. Um but see what was the question technology that's about the way that's the extent of my technology in my work right yeah 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 i got the i got the hint that you use photoshop a lot i don't know why i thought that but for certain things well i use some uh just basic things and i use them a whole lot <laughs> yeah yeah when you when you said something about file size i uh i hadn't spoke like that about photoshop in a number of years so i kind of was floundering a bit but. well all my high school students i I require them to have a, a website or a blog to put, their, oh, cool. to put their work on and their writing on. 
and we use WordPress, and um, it's a nightmare getting them to understand that file size is important. And so I constantly am working with that and going back into their blogs and because they'll post an image that's, you know, the resolution is at 300 and the physical size is like 36 inches. And you sit there to go to open it on your computer and it's like you could go take a break and have a cup of coffee and come back, you know. So I tell them (laughs) if I click it, if I click on it and it doesn't open immediately, I'm not going to wait to look at it. So that encourages them to learn how to do it right, you know. Yeah, right, right. How do you get yourself out of creative block? Um, that's a really good question. Um, my simple uh, and flippant answer to that is to just keep on working. But, you know, it's not always that easy. I uh, didn't really make art for a I made a lot. I made art a lot for years, and then... Uh, when I went back to teaching, I wasn't doing a whole lot at first of my own, and I had all kinds of excuses for not doing that. And uh, plus, my, you know, I started a family and all that good stuff. But I, I realized, looking back, that I did have a creative block. That I was at a, a kind of a period in my own personal process, and I didn't know how to deal with it. And uh, for me, that point was I was transitioning between being representational and non-representational. Now I figured it, oh. now I have figured it out, so it's easy for me to say. Yeah. But yeah. so now that I am kind of over that hump, um, to me, especially with my process, the, the the best thing for me to do is just go make something. You know, go put a spot on a piece of paper or yeah. spill something on a canvas. And going back to that call and response process that I just yeah I love that idea you know I don't really have creative blocks anymore. Um, my problem now is I have time blocks. You know I I, I don't have enough time because right? I like this morning I got up about uh, I, 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 sometimes I don't sleep very well through the night and I woke up about three thirty this morning and I walked over to my little studio about five thirty um, and I just got back about two hours ago. And so it was really nice to have that chunk of time. So time is my biggest block these days. Right, yeah, that makes sense. When did you fall in love with art? I feel like you became an artist. All your questions are really good. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. They all hit me on a personal level. Uh, I didn't set out to be an artist. I didn't set out to major in art or any of that kind of stuff. When I left high school, um, I was going to, I thought I was going to major in physical therapy. I lived in Texas and I went off and um, that was a disaster. I dropped out and I went back to a community college in San Antonio and I had no direction whatsoever. And I had only taken one art course my senior year of high school and it was, I could do it in my sleep the night before anything was due and it was just very easy. But I didn't take it serious at all, and I had no passion for it. I drew all my life. You know, I sketched and stuff, but I didn't take it serious. But at the community college, I started taking a couple of art courses, and it was a um, struggle at home because my parents were really worried about what I was going to do with my life, and I was the oldest and all that stuff. And I came home one day, and I said, so I guess I have some good news and I have some bad news Uh the good news is I, I, I know what I want to major in now. And they were all excited. And I, they said, what? And I said, art. That's the bad news. <laughs> uh. 
So they were they were just beside themselves with like, what are you going to do? My dad was a musician, but he was in the military. He was a trumpet player in the Air Force, so he had that for security. And right. uh, so I back then where I was, there were only two routes in art. You were either going to go what, into what they call commercial art or art education. I really didn't want to be a teacher because I hated high school. Um, but commercial art made me think of deadlines, and I hated them. Yeah, I hated them even more. And so then I, th- I started thinking about the education thing, and I thought, well, if I hated high school so much, maybe I could try to be one of those teachers that's that that is different or something. I don't know exactly. Um, so uh, it wasn't until you know later in life that I began to get really right before I was getting close to graduate. I think from undergraduate school, I was really getting passionate about art. You know, I was actually a ceramic sculptor in undergrad, but um, I just really, really, really found myself thinking about nothing else, you know, and I started to paint and I didn't really have a whole lot of structured, I mean, I had my painting classes, but um, I didn't get a whole lot out of them. But after a while, it was about that time, you know, I guess I was about to leave or early 20s, I really got bitten by the bug. And then once I became a high school art teacher in San Antonio, it was just, you know, there, there was no turning back, you know. Yeah, yeah. I just... I lived it, and I, you know, I can't get enough of it today. That's cool. It's, well, it sounds like, you know, from what correspondence we've had about you teaching, it sounds like you really enjoy it. Yeah. And um, that you have a nice approach with the students. Yeah, I'm very fortunate. Yeah, that's cool. Um, my next question is, how do you feel the computer or the Internet helps or hurts an artist? Well, uh the computer it depends. You know, I explained a, a pretty couple questions ago about my artistic relationship with the computer, but um, I think the internet for me has been the best thing ever because of what we're doing right now. For one thing, exactly. We'll yeah. talk to you in Massachusetts and me in Pennsylvania. Um, I resisted Facebook forever. You know, I didn't even bother to look at it until. Um, one day a friend of mine said, well, you know, such and such is on Facebook, and it was somebody I really look up to. And yeah. I thought, well, maybe I'll check it out. <laughs> and um, I started looking at it. You know, I used my Facebook account for my art education contacts and my painting contacts, and the painting contacts are global, you know, as you know. Yeah. Uh, and it's opened up so much dialogue that I would have never, ever, ever had. So it's the richest thing. And plus – Working with the type of work that I do, and I, maybe many of the other people I can communicate with, I wouldn't find anybody locally to have a conversation oh, about the kind of work I do. Other, I know I'm I'm in the same boat. Yeah, sorry. I, yeah. You know, it's like it just suddenly you you look at the, the painters, the abstract painters on Facebook, and you don't feel so isolated anymore. Right. You know, it's like wow, there's somebody over in Cologne. There's somebody in Scotland. Yeah. There's somebody in Cyprus. Yeah, or, yeah, like thinking about the same kind of things. How about that? You know, it's awesome. Yeah, it is awesome. <laughs> My next question is: What feeds your work more? Would you say your other work, looking at other art, or something other than that? I would say yes to all of it. Was all of the above? Um, yeah. My own work, of course, constantly leads to you know, new work and, and working in series or working in groups, um, 
it's I guess sometimes I worry about it becoming redundant. But, but then again, I mean, you know, you could bla- make a black square every day until you die. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you could look at DeCarico's uh, little sit- little cityscape thing that he did over and over and over and over. And so I guess the redundancy isn't really the problem. Um, so, the, But it does inspire me I, totally because I, I do something and say one color scheme or one shape or one pattern and I see 50 other possibilities and I want to make them, you know. Right. And then, of course, um, it's interesting now looking back at my older work when I was representational because for a while I thought there was no relationship between what I do now and what I did do. And that is completely not true. I was oh, back yeah. at some of the things I did before, and there's dots on them. And, you know, I'm kind of like, I, I overkill the dots. Uh, <laughs> I look at them, and I'm like, wow, I, I was doing dots then. Didn't even know it. I wonder what I thought they were. Uh, yeah, yeah. And so I see a lot of the visual or graphic language that I'm playing with now in my older work. You know, I just used it differently. So my older work does inspire me. It feeds my work. And looking at art, of course, looking – I'm in the habit now of looking at my blogs and looking at Facebook every day. I just, even if I don't have much time, I'll zip through to just roll through the images. Right. You know, because every now and then I'm like, whoa. You know, I back up. I look at something and I'm yeah, oh, yeah. my gosh. You know, how do I bookmark this again? You know, and, uh, <laughs> and then, of course, I lose them. But um, – no, I just going back to the internet question, the being able to look at other people's art that are roughly in my age group, they're alive, you know. Yeah, so yeah. They have to survive with other jobs. It, you know, it's like it's real. It's very, very real, and that work has become more exciting to me than I hate to say. Well, I don't. I guess I don't hate to admit it. Looking at the contemporary work of colleagues on the internet is more exciting than looking at history books to me nowadays. Well, it's funny. I'm right with you on that one. It's just, it's exciting. And, you know, a lot of them, it could be something that they finished in that day. And then, then they take a photo, a photograph of it and you can see it as it's finished. Right. Instead of waiting for a catalog or waiting for, you know, nothing replaced seeing it in person, but it is kind of cool to see it as it happens. Yeah. It is very cool. It's exciting. It is inspiring. It makes me, you know, it makes me want to go work, drop everything and go work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> How important is formal art training to an artist? I was kind of waiting for that question. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because as I said, I didn't set out to go into art. But once I got passionate about art as an art high school art teacher in San Antonio, I left teaching after seven years, and I went to work at the Kansas City Art Institute as an admissions counselor, which meant that I reviewed portfolios, and I traveled around the United States to portfolio days, and and I would go into high schools and community colleges to do presentations about um, going, well, essentially going to that school, but I was I told them in my interview up front that I already had a job. I didn't really need a new job. But this sounded exciting. And if I could go in there and just talk about art and art education and avenues to learn about art, then I was their person. And I said, you know, I don't, if I have to go there and just talk about the school over and over and over, then I'm probably not the right person. Because if I'm, if I'm talking about art with a particular level of conviction and passion, 
then this kids are going to say, wow, the school he's coming from must be the best thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I began to think that art school, because I didn't know about art schools coming out of high school, but I began to think that art school was the only way to go. I was, you know, all totally infatuated with that, and I then I, I left Kansas City thinking I was going to go back to teach, but I got another job opportunity to uh, go to the museum school in Boston. I worked for, oh, okay. I worked for SMFA and did the same job. Again, I got out of that thinking I was going to go back into the classroom and got another thing with the San Francisco Art Institute. And then I, the last college I worked for was SVA in New York City. So for 11 years, I was representing awesome art schools, yeah. working with awesome faculty members, uh, schools that had um, alums that were in the history books, you know. Right. And so I thought for really seriously that, that, you know, if you had any chance, to, if a student had any chance to go do that, that's what they had to do. Even though I didn't do it, that's what they needed to do. I, did, I didn't do it because I didn't know about them. Uh, but over the last several years, since I've come back to teaching, and also, again, since I, go, I hate to bring up the Internet again or Facebook, but um, a lot of the people that I encounter went a different route. You know, they might have majored in art or they might not have majored in art. Yeah. But the thing I think that's really important is that somehow they found their own art education. Uh, And it was at the highest level because it was extremely personal. And they used whatever they used to learn about other artists, to learn about whatever it is they wanted to learn about that would feed their own art. And the fact that they have figured out how to survive in the world, you know, financially, and still continue to make art at a really high level, I think that's the school these days. Uh, Ian Williams, yeah. uh, you know my colleague Ian Williams that I teach school with, we talk about this stuff all the time. And uh, he, he had a similar background, sort of, from a, he was an admissions counselor for a, a, a one college, and we have both shifted to this idea that um, it just depends on the individual. I had a parent conference this week, right before spring break, where this young lady wants to be, wants to like, it sounds religious, she wants to devote her life to art. And her mom, yeah. was, her mom was saying, well, do you think she has this? Do you think she could do this? Do you think she could do that? And I, and I told the mom, I said, what I think isn't the issue. Um, she's got to develop the passion and she's got to develop, and the passion has to be so strong that it's going to get her through the times when she can't work. You know, what do you do when you have a creative block? Uh, what do you do when you can't pay rent? Uh, she, you know, you have to find something within you that's going to make you continue. And um, so I nowadays find that far more important than where you find that. And it's a lot cheaper not to go to art school. <laughs> <laughs> but I've, you know, I've evolved that way of thinking, you know. So when I came back to teaching after the admissions gig, I was gung ho with my students. Oh, you got to go to art school, and I know all these people. So here, you know, here I'll call somebody up, and um, they were getting accepted to art schools, and they would go off and drop out. They were talented, and they were, you know, intelligent at a high school level. And then I began to realize that that's not what it's all about. You know, they have to have some life experience. They have to grow up. They have to have a lot of resiliency. And and it's kind of, it's like the old 60s cliche. You've got to find out who you are before you can really do anything with it. 
Right, yeah. You don't really need to pay tuition for that. Yeah, you just got to have it somehow find the experience. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, who are some, some of your favorite artists? Um. <laughs> <laughs> Tough to narrow it down, huh? Well, no, I prepared for this one. Uh, oh, good. You know, the college, it was called, at the time it was called Southwest Texas State University, where I first started getting into art. This South Austin. And um, on the ninth floor of the library, of course, we didn't have Internet or any of that stuff yet. I worked at a bookstore, in a, but the ninth floor of the library is where they had all the oversized art books, and they had comfortable chairs. Um, so I spent a lot of time up there looking at art books, and that's where my passion really began to develop. And, and I kind of look at those people uh, as my early teachers, you know. Um, and I would have to say that my, my first group, I really loved the Fogues. I loved everything about the Fogues, the color, the marks. I just loved it. And then the German Expressionist, the Blue Rider, uh, the, the, the Bruca. I'm not German, so I'll blow the trend Yeah, yeah. But, uh, th- those people just, oh, it was so rich and it was so f- much from the heart, you know. And I loved the color. I loved everything about what they did. Uh, Beckman, Jack Levine, not a German expressionist, but Kokoschka, Soutine, Matisse, Picasso, of course. You can't, I can't get away from them. Um, yeah. Marcel uh, Grammer, somebody that I was really influenced by. And then I kind of progressed from that group of figurative te- people or representational people to uh, Franz Klein, you know, Motherwell, Motherwell. Yeah. Uh, I take my Motherwell book off the shelf every now and then, and I just want to, like, step there for a week with it. Yeah. Of course, Rothko and Twombly, you know, they're just ah, so rich. De Kaiser, De Kaiser is somebody that over the last few years I've totally fallen in love with. I love his work. I love his work. And uh, De Kooning, of course. And then I kind of segued, or uh, not segued, but I had a, a sort of an epiphany about two years ago. Um you know, I'm from more or less from South Texas, so I have a lot of these little Oaxacan wood figurines in my house. And right where our TV is, it's in this little nook, but there's a couple windows behind it, and there's some hanging plants, and I have these little wooden things hanging off the wall. And every single morning, I lean over by them, and I open the mini blinds. Every single night, I lean over and close the mini blinds. One day, I happened, one morning I was doing it, and I looked over, and there's this, like, jaguar mask hanging from the wall, but like okay. two inches from my face, and all of a sudden, I saw my dots. You know, I saw, oh, wow, I saw yeah. my patterns. I saw every single thing that I do, and I started walking around the house looking at the little giraffes and the little lizards and all the little carvings that I have, and I was kind of embarrassed because I thought, I've been ripping this off for a long time. And I didn't <laughs> so, and then, of course, realizing that made me think of, um, you know, Central America the uh, molas, the Panamanian molas, um, and then um, the reverse applique things that they, the clothing that they make. Those are I have one hanging of those hanging over my refrigerator, and I, once I started looking around for these influences, I'm like, whoa, there's a mola. I should learn yeah, about yeah. them because apparently it's influencing me. And then of course Australian Aborigine or you know patterns. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I'll end that question with uh, the Facebook abstract painters. Yes, of course. <laughs> you can insert that in every question. Yeah, I, I know. Every question is like, what are you doing? Well, I'm looking at Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I love it. Guilty pleasure. Do you have an artist quote you'd like to share? I do. And then I found another one this morning. Okay, you can share more than one. Okay. My first one is uh, the one that I think about all the time, like when you when you ask about the artist blocked, and I think it's a Picasso quote. And I think I used to have it on an SDA poster. When you can't paint, paint. <laughs> Sums it up. That's it. Right. When you can't do it, do it. Make yourself do it. Um, so that's kind of – that. I'm not really big on quotes, although I love them. I just never remember them. But that one has stayed with me, probably because it's so short. Uh, right, yeah. But the other one I saw this morning was a Monet. Okay. And uh, this one is real personal sounding. And I guess that's why it resonated with me. No one but myself knows the anxiety I go through and the trouble I give myself to finish paintings which do not satisfy me and seem to please so very few others. Yeah. I, that was, that nailed it. I was, I could be cocky with the Picasso quote. Yeah. The introspective with the Monet quote. So I cover all the bases. Yeah, and that's the Monet sentiment is probably what keeps us going. Yeah. It's on the flip side of it. Did you post that this morning? I did. I saw that. <laughs> I saw yeah. that and I read it and I was like, wow. Shared it, yeah. Yeah, I'd never seen that before. So, yeah, I mean, I saw um, that and I was like, wow, I was about to leave house before the, leave my home before the sun came up. I was sneaking out of the house before my family woke up and I saw that and I thought, there it is. <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> this is, um, I always introduce it as my favorite question. You probably see it coming. Right? Yeah. Uh, can you use three to five words to describe your work? Am I limited to five? <laughs> no, you can You can take ten if you'd like. Well, <laughs> I can't help but think of uh, music when I'm working and lives of musicians. And I, I think I've heard in one of your other interviews that you are, you have a music connection too while you work, if I'm not mistaken. Always, yeah. yeah. So, uh, I, in a conversation with a couple of colleagues a couple of years ago, they were helping me kind of see what it was I was doing. And I was yeah. a little bit of a crisis. And, um, and the word twang was used about my work. And so I, uh, I think it was quit trying to be Zen when you're so naturally twang. <laughs> and I thought, wow, dude, I, I might like that. I don't know. I got to think about that. But I, I did like that a lot. So yeah. since I listen to all kinds of music, I think of my work. What I do now is like hillbilly funk or funkabilly. Oh, wow. with a little C, with a little seasick Steve thrown in on the side. So I would say. Ralph Stanley, George Clinton, and C6 Steve pretty much sum up my work. C6 Steve? you got to Google him. Wow, that's a tongue twister. He's, a, he's, a bomb. he's the bomb. <laughs> I have a couple of words, if you don't mind. Sure. All right. Um, spirited. Okay. <laughs> Dynamic. Thank you. And lyrical. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, and vast in language. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's cool. you're pretty prolific, and I think that the 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 way you stretch your language is just I hardly see a painting that looks like a one like another. Oh, that's that's very nice to hear because I I wonder about that sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I I know I'm all over the place, but uh, at this point I just want to make stuff. I really don't care, you know. 
yeah. And I don't want I don't want to overthink it at all. I just want to make it. But thank you for that those comments. That's very nice. Oh no problem. Um, now you have a good rapport with Vincent Hawkins. <laughs> I think I do. Yeah. You think you do? Well, I just I wanted to ask because I uh, I infiltrated one of your um, your albums on Facebook, uh-huh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I saw a comment that he made that he made that I liked. So I I hope he doesn't mind me sharing it. Oh, I'm sure he won't. Okay. So this is a a Facebook comment from Vincent Hawkins about I believe your latest album. I uh, what is it? Um, was it February? I believe 2013. Oh yeah, the one with the zebra stripe collage. Right. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 So he says, "Looks like you have been visited by African spirits." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and the ne- the comment below was by Stephen Barris, <laughs> and he said something like, "I agree." <laughs> Did you see Ian Williams' comment below that? <laughs> he said something about Frank Zappa and I forget, but it was a, it was a pretty fun little dialogue you know, that they had on my back. Yeah, they were riffing off of each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah Vincent. Um, yeah, Vincent's quite the character. I uh, when I first got my blog, first started my blog, which has become very important to me to post stuff without overthinking it, because then I put it out there regardless. You know, and maybe I I put too much out there. I don't know, but I post pretty much everything I make. I scanned it and put it out there. But early on, Vincent commented, and he was somebody I didn't know, and I'd okay. already discovered his work, and I was in love with his work, and so he made a couple of very supportive comments, you know, and that's going back to the Internet again. You know, it gave me some um, confidence, made me feel yeah. good. And, that's, and then I got to be around him this last summer when we did the uh, the thing in um, – and Brooklyn with uh, Julie Torres, the collaborative thing that we did. And there was 11 artists from around the world that came in, and he was one of them. So yeah, got yeah. to hang out some. And oh, that's cool. Yeah, Vinny Vincent does a, a little dance. Called him Vinny Two Shoes. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> I'll wait for the video. Yeah. Oh, I, it was. <laughs> I think there is one posted out there. <laughs> I don't know, but I can't imagine him as a dancer. Oh, he's he's a worldly dude. <laughs> yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That group that, that that experienced with Julie Torres this last summer, and I'm yeah it must again be. this this next uh, next month or whatever it is, the the bond that was um, made with the, you know the ten other people plus her, it's yeah. really really awesome. I I, I was I was gonna I told myself before doing this interview with you I was, was gonna not mention any Facebook artist names because I would leave out way too many. I know because uh, yeah. there's too many great folks out there, but um, the 11 people that were involved with the, the, the Bushwick show were just really, really awesome. And I'm not going to try to list their names because I'd leave somebody out and feel terrible. <laughs> they know who they but are. Vinny was Vincent was one of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and Ian Williams, of course. I I think I, I don't know if I've mentioned him to you in this interview, but right before we we were talking, uh, Ian White Williams, who you see all over the internet. Uh, he and uh, Tim Schwartz, another friend, have a show up right now, affiliate Larry Becker Gallery, which is a really awesome show. But uh, meeting Ian and having him work with me at school has been a, a tremendous opportunity to have a dialogue with somebody face-to-face on an ongoing basis. Yeah. And that's something I really never, ever had. You know, uh, my poor wife, you know. She she, she, uh, she gets tired of hearing it. She, she sits there and listens to it or p- pretends to. But 
<laughs> you know, Ian will actually respond. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's nothing like having that rapport with someone. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And of course, my students. I should throw that in there. Uh, I'm I'm really really spoiled being able to be around all these young, exciting kids. Um, yeah. And I have been now for since. I mean, I went into I started teaching I guess in 1980, and then all the students that I've had from there, from San Antonio to Pennsylvania, and then when I was in admissions, all the high schools I visited across the United States, and all the kids I got to work with as they were applying to college. That's just been extremely rich. I could not put a, um, any particular amount of value on that because it's just so inspiring. And, you know, I'll see kids out there doing stuff and taking risks that are, yeah. you know, like, you know, the older you get, the fewer risks you take. Which, yeah. And, right. of course, we spend a lot of our time now forcing the risks in our studio. <laughs> I'm just going to throw this down and see what happens. Uh, but they actually do it, you know. Yeah. I love that approach. The, what was it, the call and response? Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I, I've been trying to tell myself the same thing, like this idea that, you know, especially if it's a blank canvas or, you know, there's no, nothing on the surface, you just have to do something and give yourself something to respond to. And that's, and then, and then do that again and again and again, which I think you touched upon earlier. Yeah. And the, the less thinking you do, the more freedom you have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Phil. No problem, David. Talk to you soon. Yep, take care. Bye. Bye-bye. How do I sign up? <laughs> oh, here it is. I guess it's the red phone, huh? I feel like I'm in the Batmobile or something. Yeah, the red <laughs> phone. I love it. Let's see. That's awesome. This has been Oddcast. Thank you from me, your host, Philip J. Mellon. Keep the dialogue going. <laughs>